0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: For decades, the map of the 6th Congressional District in Maryland, it looked basically the same. Some years it got a little longer. Some years it got a little fatter. It was made up mostly of these Appalachian counties, parts of the state that are between Pennsylvania and West Virginia. But in 2013, this map changed.
0: I was actually kind of examining it yesterday while I was writing my piece, trying to think of a colorful description of it.
1: I asked Slate's Mark Joseph Stern to try describing it.
0: Uh, To me, it looks a little bit like an upside-down crown that's being uh, melted away on one end. When I look at the map, it's like, half of the district crumpled up on
1: itself. So now there's this dangling bit that sort of hangs down towards the D.C.
0: suburbs. I think another description could be like a hideously deformed salamander, uh, which was the original animal that inspired the term gerrymandering. So that's historically apt. It looks like a mess. That's what it looks like. It pulls together these very rural Republican counties way out in the west of Maryland, the border of Pennsylvania and West Virginia, and ties them together uh, with these very wealthy, liberal Washington, D.C. suburbs.
1: Constructing a congressional district like this one is what politicians do, splicing away at maps to create these islands of invincibility where political parties can pretty much predict who's going to get elected. In Maryland, it was the Democrats doing the splicing and dicing, making sure Republicans couldn't consolidate their power.
0: And I think that helps to further this narrative among voting rights activists that gerrymandering isn't just like a problem for Democrats, it's a problem for democracy, and the courts are the only ones who can sort of rein in both parties uh, from drawing these ridiculous lines. There is a sense that Republicans do this more than Democrats, but because the Maryland case has been so high profile, drawn so many headlines, it's come to the Supreme Court multiple times now, it does balance out uh, that equation. It feels like, yeah, there are evils on the other side of the ledger. Democrats are doing it too. So we need the, the heroes in capes or black robes to step in and kind of play referee here.
1: But do these Supreme Court justices want to be superheroes? Mark Joseph Stern says we're about to find out. Today on the show, inside a courtroom drama where Mark had a front row seat.
0: Everyone knew, like, this is it. We're finally going to find out if SCOTUS is going to put the nail in the coffin of partisan gerrymandering.
1: I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stay with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Supreme Court has been hearing cases about gerrymandering for how long now?
0: Too long, forever, since the mid-80s. And yet still, the Supreme Court has never really announced how or why or if the federal judiciary has the power to block and fix partisan gerrymanders.
1: Why can't they make up their minds?
0: Because there's never been a majority of justices who are willing to just settle on one standard and stick with it. You know, there are a lot of different ways to gauge the extremity of a gerrymander. There are all these different tools. There is the efficiency gap. There's partisan symmetry. You can count wasted votes. I mean, you can get into the sociology here. But basically, there's a lot of disagreement about how to decide which gerrymanders are the worst of the worst. And because there's so much dispute over those questions, a lot of conservative jurists believe that the federal courts should just shut their doors to these claims and stay out of it altogether.
1: So for people who might not know, why are maps drawn by the local legislatures?
0: Uh, And they aren't in every state, but the constitutional baseline is for state legislatures to draw their own districts. The Supreme Court has given states permission to delegate that power to independent uh, redistricting commissions in states like Arizona and California. But in most states, it's still done by legislators because that's what the Constitution tells states to do.
1: Hmm. And this kind of was fine for a while, right? What changed to make this a problem?
0: So I wouldn't say it was necessarily fine. Uh, We've always had battles over this stuff. But the problem today is that Everyone has gotten a lot better at it. And the reason is basically computers. So there is proprietary software that Republicans and Democrats alike can purchase and then sort of huddle with behind closed doors and run a gazillion simulations of maps that maximize the number of seats given to their party and minimize the number of seats given to the opposition.
1: This week's cases looked at North Carolina and Maryland specifically. And part of what's really surprising about what happened there is just how flagrant it was. In North Carolina, especially where the guy who is drawing the maps, a guy named David Lewis, he just said, I think Republicans are better. So that's why I'm drawing my electoral map this way.
0: Yes, and there's actually a reason for that. It's not just ego or pride or stupidity. The reason is that the courts have long held that racial gerrymandering, so dividing voters along racial lines, uh, that is unconstitutional, and that can be resolved by the courts. What's happened in the last few years is that when legislators are drawing these maps, they they sort of disclaim to the world, like, "Look, we aren't drawing these." Along racial lines. We're just drawing them along partisan lines. So the courts shouldn't be angry at us, because we're not doing anything illegal. We're not targeting black people. We're just targeting the opposition party. And that's totally okay. So we'll shout it from the rooftops because we don't think it'll get us in trouble.
1: So going in, you've followed these cases before. What were you expecting?
0: Uh real doom and gloom for voting rights advocates. For years, Justice Anthony Kennedy was the swing vote on these issues. Now, of course, Kennedy has been replaced with Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who is more conservative in pretty much every single way. So I expected Kavanaugh to just join the conservative justices in grilling the voting rights plaintiffs and reaching the conclusion that the federal courts just shouldn't be dealing with this issue at all. What happened instead? Instead, I saw some real concern from Kavanaugh, particularly in the Maryland case, that maybe partisan gerrymandering has gone so far that it's time for the federal courts to jump in. And that really surprised me. It suggests to me there is a possibility that he will sort of follow the Kennedy line and decide that, yes, this is a constitutional violation. And yes, the federal courts should step in to fix it in really extreme cases.
1: You said you saw this look on Kavanaugh's face when they were talking about Maryland's 6th District. Can you just tell me about that moment?
0: Yeah, so the Maryland Solicitor General stood up and tried to claim that it wasn't necessarily uh, a result of partisanship. And Kavanaugh just looked totally incredulous. Uh, He doesn't have a good poker face, as I think we all know. And he looked almost offended that the Solicitor General was trying to get away with this. And he immediately jumped in and said, "No, you know, don't do that. Don't try to run away from what this is. Kavanaugh seemed to be leaning toward the liberal side, saying to the Maryland Solicitor General, hey, this this map is indefensible. You know, this map is clearly an attempt to suppress the voting power of Republicans.
1: Well, Yeah. And there's lots of documentation that in Maryland, the Democrats had these really specific talks about this, like their goal was to get a 7-1 map. So they had, you know, one Republican, but they'd also gamed out how to get an eight zero map like how do we just get rid of Republicans here
0: Yes. And that's exactly what Kavanaugh quoted back during arguments. He said, look, your your mapmakers said what their goal was, and it was to create seven seats for Democrats and one for a Republican. You, you can't run away from that basic fact. And I think that was a step away from what the conservative justices were trying to do, which was focus on how powerless federal courts are to fix this. You know, you heard Gorsuch saying over and over again, well, how are are we supposed to deal with this? It's not in our wheelhouse. You know, we're not experts. He was trying to sort of draw the focus away from the injustice. And Kavanaugh kept pulling it right back onto this central injustice and forcing Maryland to fess up.
1: So Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh live in Maryland and they're Republicans. And I look at this case and I think, how strategic was it? for folks to bring this case forward. Like I look back at the history of the Supreme Court and I remember there was this case with Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she was trying to prove gender discrimination and she started out by bringing up a case about discrimination against men because she knew she was going to be arguing in front of men. And it seems to me that this case is like perfectly positioned to sort of tap into this
0: audience. I absolutely agree. I think that this is a a classic RBG style strategy, which is to enshrine a progressive principle in the law by bringing a sort of conservative case. And and that's very clearly the strategy of voting rights advocates here. Kavanaugh is a Maryland voter. He was born and raised in the state. He lives in a district that has been gerrymandered. I think in a sense, the voting rights plaintiffs lucked out by being able to attack a state where two big swing votes on the court happen to live, I think that Roberts and Kavanaugh know what it feels like to cast a totally hopeless vote because your district has been gerrymandered to ensure that your vote basically doesn't count.
1: So this is personal for these justices, but do you think they would cop to that if someone asked them?
0: No. Absolutely not. Because, of course, to the conservative justices, empathy and personal experience are are supposed to be totally foreign to your jurisprudence. So I think if you cornered Roberts at a dinner party and said, hey, Chiefy, you know, what's going on here? You feeling the pain of this gerrymander too? I think he'd say, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, I, I pull out my pocket constitution and read the First Amendment. Like, he would never admit if he let his personal feelings influence his views on a case.
1: Well, I guess the issue is you have to draw a line somewhere. You have to draw a district line. And the question is, what's your criteria for doing that and who decides?
0: Right. Uh, And there, I will say, I do think that the conservative justices overstayed the difficulty of doing this, right? So we have examples of courts fixing partisan gerrymanders, most notably the Pennsylvania Supreme Court last year struck down the, the state's congressional map as a Republican gerrymander and just commissioned an expert to redraw it. And he did it. And there weren't a lot of complaints with the map that he returned because it was more or less, proportional to the number of votes that the parties got. And and most communities stayed together and were able to exercise their voting power in fairly competitive elections. Uh, I think that if the Pennsylvania Supreme Court can do that, that federal courts can do it too. Yeah, but Pennsylvania is at the beginning of its
1: fix. And it's interesting to watch. But I wonder where they're going to be in 10 years, because I don't know if fixing gerrymandering is going to fix the bigger issue of partisanship in politics.
0: It won't. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Gerrymandering is not the number one driver of partisanship in politics or polarization or any of the ills that we experience today. I think all those theories are rather overstated. We would still be living in Mitch McConnell's hellscape if no state gerrymandered and everyone drew totally fair lines. We would still have a lot of uncompetitive elections. We would still have a lot of extreme candidates. Uh, To me. The problem here is not necessarily that American democracy as a whole is being subverted by gerrymandering. I I don't think it's that extreme. To me, the problem is that individuals' constitutional rights are clearly being violated. But we're already gerrymandering ourselves. I mean, you look at the Senate
1: elections and you can see it where people with certain point of views are moving to urban areas are moving to the coasts and that's a map that's also out of whack that this won't touch
0: yes Absolutely true. The Senate is terribly malapportioned, uh, and no fix to gerrymandering is going to fix that. Uh, and furthermore, we live in a polarized country where people do self-sort into liberal enclaves and big red expanses, and gerrymandering can't fix that either. And I don't think anyone is asking it to. I think it's fine for a very conservative state to have a very conservative legislature and congressional delegation. I think it's fine for a super liberal state to have a super liberal legislature. I think the problem comes in when you have map makers saying that's not good enough for us. We don't just want our natural majority. We want to suppress the voting power of the opposition to give us even more, as much as we can possibly get. That's where we have a problem. That's why you saw Kagan and Kavanaugh talking about the worst of the worst. We have to empower courts to go after the truly greedy bastards who are sitting behind closed doors saying, I want to screw over as many voters as I can. That's the threat to constitutional rights. That's the threat to democracy. The federal courts have refereed racial gerrymandering for decades. I just don't see why they can't do the same with really, really bad partisan gerrymandering.
1: So when do you expect the judges to rule here?
0: Probably late June, just before the term ends.
1: They're going to keep us waiting that last week before they go to the vineyard.
0: Exactly. Before they go to their impregnable island fortresses and whatnot to escape the wrath of the public.
1: (laughs) Mark Joseph Stern, it is always a joy to talk to you about these things.
0: Always a pleasure. Hope to talk soon.
1: All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and it's produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. Come back here tomorrow. We got you with another show. In the meantime, you should just check us out on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It's how people find us. Talk to you tomorrow.